Welcome to Passion and Purpose, a podcast with Jimmy Seibert and the Antioch Movement. Whether this is your first time with us or you've been with us for a while now, our desire is that by the end of our time together, you can say that you've fallen more in love with Jesus and have a greater passion for Him and His purposes in the earth. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope that you enjoy today's episode. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to a summertime edition of the summertime. Passion and Purpose podcast. You look a little tanner. You've been Thank out in the sun. Yes. Yeah. It's only 102 in Waco today. Only 102. <laughs> it's getting hot. I don't know what it's like where you are, uh, but we're doing a little special collab on the podcast today. And we're going to be sharing a testimony of what God has done uh, over a course of several decades. And we're sharing this to... Uh, inspire us all at the goodness and the faithfulness of the Lord and stir our hearts in worship and faith for our everyday life. So Jimmy, tell me as we get started, where are we, where in the world are we talking about today? Yeah. Well, hey, first of all, I want everybody to lean in if you're uh, listening and say, listen all the way through. This is a Hebrews 11 moment. This is, we often call Hebrews 11 as the hall of fame of faith. And what's the beautiful thing about Hebrews 11 is that when we hear the stories of what God's done or what God's doing, now it stirs our faith for what God can do in our lives Amen. today. So whether you're believing God for something just normal and small, you need fresh faith, or whether you're saying, God, I'm ready to change the world. I need somebody to stir my faith. That's what today's about. So for us, that started with this incredible journey that uh, in Southern Siberia, okay. where God told a bunch of people from Waco, Texas to go join your friends with Youth of the Mission and plant churches in Southern Siberia. Well, out of that, when we went and planted our first church and began to seek God about where uh, he would lead us, the next place was a place called Irkutsk. And then uh, Brett and Jackie Franson heard God speak about Mongolia. And I still remember, so if you're looking at a world map, you have Russia kind of at the top, you have China on the belly, and then right in the middle is Mongolia, squeezed between Russia and China. That's always been a challenge, as you can imagine, um, geopolitically, but practically, uh, God put it there for His glory. Okay, and, so let me ask you a yeah, question. Yep. Yeah. So not a lot of people, I'd imagine, from Waco, Texas, dreaming about <laughs> planting churches in Mongolia. Yeah. How old were y'all when God started birthing this in your hearts? And I mean, I'm thinking... Uh, you're not getting online and checking places out. So, so where, where did there was no about? online tech. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So fill us in time frame. How old were y'all? How did yeah. all this come about? Yeah, well, we started the training school in 87. Uh, I think uh, I was 23. Laura was 21. And um, we started this little missions training school. And we felt like the Lord said, after five years, you'll start planting churches. Okay. Well, you know, God speaks something, but you just say, all right, if I'm, if I'm faithful today, maybe that will happen. Mm -hmm. Well, in the fifth year, God uh, opened up an opportunity and an invitation to go plant churches because the Spirit of God was moving so powerfully. So uh, that would have been, we were, I was 27, actually 27 when we first launched there, right before my 28th birthday. And we took a little team out to Siberia, got things going, and then uh, we began to send laborers. So yeah, so we were all in our 20s. All this happened in our 20s. Uh -huh. So you had an invitation from... Uh Somewhat, yep, some YWAM knew. friends we knew. Okay. They were seeing God move so powerfully. Literally, Russia was opening up and thousands, and that is not an exaggeration, thousands upon thousands were coming to Jesus kind of in Moscow, St. Petersburg, all the big cities that uh, were nearer to Europe. 
And this rock concert promoter uh, came to the, the YWAM guys who were doing these Christian concerts and said, listen, if, you are, if your goal is to tell people about Jesus who've never heard, I'll set up an eight-city tour in Siberia, Central Asia, Northern China, and Mongolia. Wow. Uh, and you guys can go to places where people never heard about Jesus. Wow. So it was a rock concert promoter okay. that was the catalyst to the unengaged and unreached. Uh, and we got invited to partner with this particular rock band, Christian rock band concert uh, in Southern Siberia. And that started the church. Okay. So when you say <laughs> opening up, what do you mean? By that, take us back a little bit in history. Yeah, yeah. So if you know anything about history, um, for 70 years, um, from uh, Marx taking uh, Marxism taking over Lenin taking over um, Russia around 1918, there was all, about 70 years to about 1988, 89, where things were absolutely shut down. Communism was ruling and reigning. God was not allowed to be spoken of. God, there, God was dead. God was not a part of any 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 part of society. So you had really two generations without hearing the name of God wow. or or being able to respond to any any type of religion because the um, the nation and the leaders of the nation that was your religion those were your gods much like a North Korea today mm -hmm. and um, then things began to loosen up 70 years of prayer 70 years of sacrifice people who literally were persecuted for their faith um, held through and the wall began to come down so in 1989 1990 there began to be openness and then eventually throughout all of Eastern Europe not just Russia the walls would come down and there would be an opportunity mm. and when those walls come down we got to be able to run in too many times we pray for stuff and then we're surprised when it happens and we're not ready to go and uh, we had just said, God, we are go will go anywhere, anytime, and do anything if you'll just open a door. So this door opened, and wow. we ran in with a bunch of young people. And that church today is still flourishing uh, in a beautiful way. Amazing. Okay, so yep. uh, there's political, geopolitical turmoil. Yep. Y'all are praying, feel like God's put on your heart to plant churches. Yep. You receive an invitation from yeah. a rock concert connected with YWAM. <laughs> sure. You say, hey, come yeah. with us, and we're going to sure. go to the unreached yeah, that's how you do it. of the earth. That's the strategy. Okay, and so <laughs> y'all take that step of faith. Y'all are going uh -huh. out. About how many people are launching out as this thing gets going? Well, there were, there were three of us that went okay, with this so little big, rock band. Big team. Big team. Yeah. And then we had four, a small beginning, so that's really the, Then we had four singles stay for a year okay, uh, to help with the new growth of all these new young believers that mm. had come to the Lord. And then a, couples began to come. And always we would have anywhere from three to 10 of our people alongside the Russians until after five years, we turned it all over to national leadership wow. in the in initial church plan. Uh -huh. Yep. Okay. And so then take us into the story from there. Okay. Y'all are launching out. Yep. planting, seeing things that go on. This is uh, late 90s at yep. this point? Yep. Okay, then what happens next in our... In our yeah, in our I'll, I'll fast forward us a little bit okay. to get to uh, the reason we were there this just a few weeks ago mm -hmm. in Mongolia. So 30 years, this particular church plant in Ulan Day, then we plant in a place called Irkutsk. Out of that, six other churches have been planted. They've all done outreaches all over the country, and some of them 
literally around the world. And they're all still there, which is just, if you know anything about church, church planning, it's amazing that the relationships and all these beautiful things have helped through. Well, then the third church plant in those early days was then in Mongolia. Uh, Brett and Jackie friends and dear friends, they heard the Lord, went down there, small team, and began to plant in Mongolia. There were just a handful of believers at the time. They would end up seeing hundreds and hundreds of people come to the Lord, and churches planted predominantly out in the uh, countryside, in the poor areas of town, a beautiful work for about 20 years. So then if you're tracking with me, we're now in uh, the, the into the 2000s. All these churches are going. And then Josh and Sagana Crossland, another beautiful couple, is leading alongside the Franzens. And, um, and then they feel that God is speaking to start a young people's church again. Okay. You know, about every 15 to 20 years, a movements have to be renewed. Mm. They have to be refreshed again. And a new move of teenagers, young people need to come to the Lord and start taking the banner. And, um, and that was happening in Mongolia. And they just knew we needed to launch a new kind of above ground church. We had house churches going around the country and we needed to do that. So Josh and Sagana initiated with Lauren, I'm going to turn it over to Lauren here, and a group of their friends to come alongside, join the long-term team, and relaunch a young people's church. So what happened? Yeah, so let's see, we were in college, so I was 20 years old and 10 years ago. And um, yeah, Josh came to the States and he gathered me and two other college students and said, hey, I'm having these dreams, these visions from God mm. that yeah, I'm and I'm looking up in the city of Ulaanbaatar, which is the capital of Mongolia, and I'm noticing all these young people wearing blue jeans and holding iPhones, and they're starting to speak English. Wow. And he said, to be honest, with our house church network, I just haven't noticed this. Everyone's still wearing traditional dress, speaking only Mongolian. So he said, God's opening my eyes and he wants to start a young person's church, but wow. I need young people to help me start it. And so we decided we could gather some friends, we could show up for a summer. So we uh, gathered 20 college students and uh, went to Mongolia for three months. And really we did what we were doing in the States. So we found a place to rent. I always laugh and pause at this because, um, you know, when you're just young and excited, you don't think through all the practicals. And so we show up and this apartment was great, but it had one room for all the girls. So seven girls shared one bed. So we rotate three on the bed, four on the floor. Wow. Every other night we got the rotation. <laughs> and we did that for three months with so much joy. Didn't cross our minds that next door there was a mall. We could have bought a blow up mattress. I just always <laughs> laugh at ourselves. I'm like, I don't know what we were thinking. Not sure why. Other, you know, 19 others followed a 20 year old to do this, but um, we had a blast. And honestly, it was one of those open windows that um, people talk about where people were just soft and hungry for the word of God. And when you go out and share the gospel, you knew you were looking at people who genuinely had never heard. Mm -hmm. And yet they were so drawn to really they were drawn to community first. They were just attracted and we've never seen something like this. So we did things that we do in the States. We would gather people in our home. We do worship nights. We And these are all with non-believers. We're doing worship nights where 
reading the word of God, talking about how to apply it to our lives. And people started getting changed and they started getting attracted to Jesus and started giving their lives to the Lord. And at the same time, because we were partnering with a long-term team, they were ready to just go for it and launch a church. So we were doing Sunday morning productions and figuring out how to do preaching and worship and kids care because people would come with their families and we'd have all the little kids. And so we kind of just did it, jumped in. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and by the end of the summer, I would say the church, uh, had about a hundred young people. They were, you know, half of them were already following the Lord and half of them were still lost, but they were coming because they were drawn to what was going on, who Jesus was. And the church, um, God really spoke to Josh to put it in the heart of the city. So there was a brand new skyscraper that had been built and crazy favor. The owner was a believer and he said, yes, we need worship in the middle of this building. So they rented for way cheaper than it should have been, uh, kind of one of the center rooms and we would host church there every week. Oh, awesome. Well, something really cool happened at the same time. So this new Young People's Church is emerging. And hey, I just want to say to everybody listening, what Lauren just described, where the girls and the guys live in radically, sacrificially at 20 years old, you can do this. I just want to give everybody permission again. If you're in your 20s and you're saying, well, you know, we got to have this, that, and the other. Hey, we don't want to get to such a place that every need has to be met before we launch into the opportunities of God. And if I can jump in, I want you to jump in. Come on. That one thing that kept us going was we decided, okay, we need to stir people to be thankful, right? Because when circumstances get tough and. We call, we call a bed. fast or something, you know, things happen. And uh, we're like, but we, this is really a privilege, right? We wanted to shift, help everyone shift their mindset. It's a privilege that right. we're doing this. We're among unreached people. We're sacrificing our summer. So we found this old, I think dad gave it to us, this mm-hmm. old uh, audio of this story. Her name's Darlene Rose. And she was a missionary in Japan. I know. Is that Papua right? New Guinea. Papua New Guinea. Okay. During Japanese. the Japanese War. One yeah, of the wars. Yeah, the okay. World War II. So that so what I remember is the Japanese are persecuting them. But basically it's her whole story of being in prison and just the suffering that she went through for the Lord. And when you're hearing about somebody sleeping and rats falling on their head and them eating half a banana that a rat ate. You are all of a sudden very thankful, and it yes, changes you, the whole atmosphere wow. of the team because we're like, we got pizza today, you yeah. know, and we have a sleeping bag, and you we can rotate that can bed. Rotate that we're bed. All right. So, uh, I just the key to gratitude and like hearing the stories of saints going before you really yes. kept us going that summer with a good attitude. Yeah. So, talk about this this other thing that Josh had this vision yeah. of partnership with. Yeah. So I think, Susan, um, you should share this story, but Josh's brother-in-law had a very significant experience right right before they were launching this young person's church, and it really shifted um, Josh's heart for what he wanted to give back to the country. Yeah. So uh, Josh's brother-in-law, Chuka, Sagana's brother, became a follower of Jesus during that time. Yep. And he went over to the China-Mongolia border over into... Um, China to uh, purchase things for a business to bring them back to sell them. And so he went to the different places and uh, bought the different things. And then when he went back to his hotel room, he was with there with some other business guys. They had bought young girls and they had bought him a 14 year old. And he was just like, what in the world is this? 
so he was like, I'm out of here. And so he left, praise God for a godly man. Mm-hmm. And, um, but then he was like, I can't leave that 14 year old back there. So he went back and just started talking to her and said, tell me your story. And she said, I thought I was getting a real job. I came across the border because they told me this and they took my paperwork and I've been in a brothel and now I have all this debt. They won't let me out. Cause he said, well, let me, I'll take you back home. And he's, she's like, I, I owe this debt because debt bondage is part of human trafficking. He was like, how much? I'll pay it. So she told him how much. He went back and got all the money back from his business. So he wasn't able to do that. Came back and paid the Amazing. trafficker the, yeah. the price. Yeah. Amazing. And then he couldn't find the girl. Hmm. Wow. And he was just devastated and just heartbroken. And he was like, that was just one of many of these girls that I'm seeing in this community. And so he came back home and told Sagana and Josh that our Mongolian girls are being sold right across the border. Mm-hmm. And that just broke their heart. And they were like, God, you want us to do something about that. And so we had just started Unbound um, the year before in the States. And that's when Josh reached out and he said, our girls are being sold too. And we've got to do something about it. And we want the church to respond here. So yeah. So what did you guys do in response to that? So I had been volunteering as a student um, with Unbound for that past year. Me and another girl, Hannah Franzen, who was the daughter of uh, the initial church planters in uh, Mongolia. Yep. And so she even spoke some Mongolian because she grew up there. So super helpful. And but we were two 21 year olds who said, uh, I think Susan called and said, "Hey, we could send out two ladies." Um, who could host a training for uh, to just talk about human trafficking if you guys could figure out a venue and find the people to train, you know, social workers, policemen, lawyers. Um, so we're, you know, real running uh, you around. You were taking a year well, after you graduated. You oh, were, sorry. Okay, you, this you, is you the went, summer first. Right. So we, so we run around and just watch God open all these doors for these ladies to come in the summer and they do a quick training. That was that first summer that we launched the church. And um, really in two weeks, 60 people gathered. We got, someone gave us um, like a government building to host this event in and it was powerful. And really we walked away, Josh had gone to everybody saying, okay, this is like God's opening this door. This it's time to do both together, the church and, let's do anti-human trafficking work. So then Josh asked Hannah and I, hey, would you guys be willing to come back when you graduate? So I had one more year um, of school. And he said, if you come back, would you all give your, would you give a year to help really get Unbound running and going? And um, we said, yes. So you went back? So I went back. So I graduated, <laughs> went back to Mongolia. And um, really what we, I mean, incredible stories just watched the heart god's heart for justice honestly mm-hmm. it felt like again another just the favor of the lord to be honest it's I, at least logically it's pretty impossible to see something established in one year mm-hmm. and especially with two 22 year olds who are praying every time we go out that nobody asks us how old we are because we're meeting with government officials saying lord make yes, me older exactly that's how every time like then you okay, get older you lord. say lord let me get younger yeah um so but um we in that year we did lots of training education in schools and areas with a lot of vulnerable children and we what we did is because the church was already established they had a church they had volunteers ready to go we just started immediately hosting trainings where we would um, build a whole volunteer base so we had 
man, I'm not going to get the numbers right, but at least I believe 20 volunteers by the mm-hmm. end of that some probably end of the first three months that we said, Hey, come run with us. Let's do this. Um, and by the end of that year, uh, a full unbound chapter was started and we turned it over to a local named Saki who's still running it 10 years later. Um, and she is incredible. Just the, the really cool thing of partnering justice with the church so clearly, um, is that all the people serving were believers. They were committed to the church. They're serving in the church like crazy, mm-hmm. leading small groups, leading, mm-hmm. helping Sunday set up, all of that. And then throughout the week, they're giving their time to uh, mm-hmm. Unbound. So Saki took over, and then we set up a little board of Mongolians to help run it. Yeah. Uh, Josh and Sagana, of course, fully uh, partnering with them. And, yeah. and one, of the first things, one of the first things they did, Saki was trained as an attorney, so she's just a phenomenal leader and full of the Holy Spirit, and so built up a team, but they knew they had to be at the border. And so when yes, they had right. this small team, um, they would have to take a train ride. It was a long way to go over to the border. And they rented a little house that had no furniture, no hot water. And it's cold in Mongolia. Oh, it's cold. And they slept like 20, on, 30 below yeah, degree. They yeah. slept on the floor in sleeping bags. And then they worked the border. And they just, and they said they washed their hair in the cold water because they wanted to look professional because only government officials work at the border. And they're nobodies, really, but they are absolutely passionate about stopping these young girls from being mm-hmm. trafficked across the border. And they just started interviewing the girls and stopping them and turning them around. And the border guards were like, what are you doing? And then when they told them, they were like, you can stay. We just see them go and go and go. And we want you to be here. And so now mm-hmm. we're officially there. We were able to hire two women in a local church there that love Jesus. And they've been working at the border now for several years. Wow. And I mean, they interview around 3,000 a year. I mean, it's mm-hmm. amazing. And mm-hmm. so now they are working. We have two other ladies working at the Ulaanbaatar International Airport. Yes, we saw them. When yes. We, we flew in and they were there. Yeah. Yeah. And just amazing. I mean, you, you know, to hear what they're doing is one thing, but to see it and they're going through the line. I mean, the line where you're going to check in your baggage and they're interviewing these little kids. They're wow. interviewing these girls. And the, anytime they suspect something, the paperwork doesn't look right, the person doesn't look right, they take them and they have a separate Unbound Now office in the immigration office. In the where, airport. In the airport where mm-hmm. they take them and amazing. interview them and get them away from the trafficker. It's just it's just amazing, amazing what God has done. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so fast forward. I mean, this is all just <laughs> mind-blowing. Fast forward us to this summer. Mm-hmm. You all three are back in Mongolia mm-hmm. for what? Yeah, so um, I think I may have mentioned it earlier. So we had a, a 10-year celebration of the Young People's Church. Uh, Josh and Sagana had host, were hosting with our beautiful team there of leaders and Saki and, and our the Mongolian staff. So they were hosting that 10-year that celebration and the 10-year celebration of Antioch Unbound, which again, it's just, I, I, we can't overemphasize enough. It is one thing. It's not two things. It's the church doing justice. Yeah. Just a beautiful picture, actually, of one of, one of the most uh, beautiful in our whole movement. Um, and then the Russians came down from Irkutsk. The um, uh, original church was started in 1991. They had already done their 30-year celebration, but the Irkutsk church had been started in 1993. So they were able to come down okay. and were with us as well. So we had a 30-year celebration, two 10-year celebrations, 
And in perfect Asian style, they decided to have World Mandate Asia as long as we were all there. All right. so, uh, so we had World Mandate Asia as well. Okay, and so share with us a little bit because there yep. are several really powerful testimonies yeah. that were shared at World Mandate Asia. Why don't you share those with our, our listeners? Yeah, too? yeah. I think the, and, and, um, for those uh, listening, this story will kind of wrap all the pieces. Anybody can jump in there that would like to, you know, um, uh, on the uh, we had we had Friday night, Saturday night, all that good stuff, and then Sunday morning we were going to do two services. Uh, because in the facility, the, the new facility that they were in, um, we felt that it would be there would be a lot of people come. So the first service was packed out. People were standing in the back. It was really fun. And we had one of our leaders from Russia share a testimony. I'm not sharing her name because of the challenges that are going on right now, just geopolitically. But she got up and she shared about a prayer meeting that they had started uh, with a group of moms to pray for their young men to be protected from the war and all the challenges going on. And she said, after two months, we found that God had protected all of our young men. So we were rejoicing over that, that and we, but we were having such a powerful time praying we said, well, let's just start praying for all of our young people and let's start praying for our sons and daughters and for the uh, friends and family in the city that are apart from Jesus or prodigals that have fallen away from the Lord. And right before she got up, because this would be a key point that I want to make, and maybe we could throw this picture up even in the podcast. Um, I, I put a picture on the screen of um, crosses, like a, a world map starting in southern Russia, going down into Mongolia, over to China, and little crosses going across the uh, world to the right and the left and up and down. And I had communicated a picture that one of our early young leaders had, this 18-year-old girl who had come to Jesus in 1992. We were teaching young believers to hear the Lord, and she had had waited on the Lord and she laughed and she said, I have this funny picture. Do you think it's God? She had a picture of crosses going down the globe from our Southern Siberian city and then around the world. And we said, absolutely. That's Isaiah 54, two and three, the promise of God to us that from this place, our descendants would possess nations and resettle desolate cities. So I'd kind of shared that and said, now one of our friends from Southern Siberia is gonna come and share. So she's sharing the story of, again, moms praying. And then they begin to say, well, golly, we've been meeting an hour a day. Let's just keep meeting. We've seen God's protection and power. So they began to pray for their young people. Well, she said in the last two months, they had, they've had 50 young people come to the Lord by name. Literally, people they had listed, these aren't just like general salvations. These are specific people with names who've come to the Lord, that are getting integrated to the local church. They're being transformed. She says there's a move of God going on again. She was shared with me later that another wave had started. So roughly around 70 young people have come to the Lord by name. Well, as she's sharing this with this picture in the background that I just told you about the crosses, as she's sharing this, she begins to tear up. And she said, and I just remembered again, when I was 15 years old, Jimmy and a group of friends, young people in their 20s, came to my school uh, my my high school basically equivalent and shared the gospel and that's where I was saved and she said most people didn't realize but at that point at 15 years old I was planning on committing suicide I was so broken and so hurt and so needy but nobody would have ever known that but God but God rescued me 
And um, as she shared her story, we were all just moved to tears. And she said, and we were going back and forth and we said, look, and God's doing it again. He's rescuing teenagers again. And in that moment, I stood there and I said, you know, what's amazing is that uh, this precious young lady was saved at 15, but the pastor of the church in Irkutsk, he was saved at 15 in the same school. And they're standing, sitting in the room together. And then here we are in Mongolia, which was our third church plant. And then one of our dear, precious friends from Uzbekistan, which was the fourth place that we went, who wanted that she had been saved as a teenager, she was there. And we were like, oh my goodness, there's four generations of churches here and we're all standing in the promise of God. And that weekend, a number of young people had come to the Lord and that second service, we would see some more teenagers come to the Lord. And I thought, man, we're just standing in the promise of God. So as we're standing there, then my friend speaks up again and she says, oh yeah, you need to know this. The girl who had this picture of the crosses, her name was Vika, and she had been with us for four years, then had made some tough decisions and had pulled away from the Lord. And she said, after 27 years, Vika came back to the Lord last month. Wow. So if we don't think revival's going on, right? When the young are being saved, the teenagers, and when the old are coming back, mm -hmm. this is Malachi 4, families being restored again, family of God, family to one another. And man, there was just such rejoicing in the room. It was just like, yes, the gospel works. Yes, it's restorative for families and for nations. And as we all rejoice, we just were compelled. Let's pray for Russia. You know, so many times we get caught up in the front page of the news stories and we get caught up in geopolitical things. But remember, it's always about people. And Jesus said, every tribe, tongue, people, and nation will stand before the throne. The family of God will be brought together by the grace of God. And um, yeah, and even as I'm sitting here, you know, Zach, you came in and you're at 20, mm -hmm. literally yep. at 20 into the college group and a part of this family and well, came to the Lord. Jesus we started 20. following <laughs> Jesus at 20 years old. Susan and I went on our first mission trip as college students when we were 20. Lauren said at 20 years old, they went to Mongolia and here we are just rejoicing. And I can't help but think of the scripture, Psalm 103, 17. And I'm, I'm just stirred again. We fear the Lord. Yeah. Righteousness will extend to generation after generation after generation. And so my prayer is that whoever's listening right now, that we would just all return to the Lord yeah. again today so that the literally the family of God can be seen in every tribe, tongue, people, and nation, and the power of the gospel never ends. Mm. I love that. I just want to, as we close, I want to honor each one of y'all for y'all's investment I don't imagine traveling that far around the world uh, is easy. The story you're telling about <laughs> rotating who, who gets to sleep on the bed. To, I mean, just I can see all that and just want to honor y'all for stepping out in faith uh, and, and going to places that are way out of your comfort zone. I want to honor everyone that's been mentioned, all the different leaders yeah, that were mentioned yeah. by name, those that are not mentioned so by name, weren't. just mm -hmm. so much sacrifice, so many people laying their lives down. It's amazing to see the power of God, the gospel at work uh, in all around the world and multi-generationally. So I want to honor y'all. Mm -hmm. And as we close, I'd love to hear Susan and Lauren and Jimmy, if you had anything else, what's kind of a golden nugget or something that as you reflect on this story that you're hanging on to, that you want our listeners to think about as we wrap up today? What would you say, Susan? 
I, I just listening to the stories, all these miracle stories are coming to mind. I mean, we even heard mm-hmm. one of the young men that works with us there just asking, mm-hmm. you know, what has God done in your life? How'd you come to know him? What he's doing? And literally he was, tells a story of going to take another job instead of working for Unbound. And he gets halfway there and he literally cannot walk. Mm-hmm. Like he was excited about taking that other job. And he literally, the power of God came on him and he couldn't move his feet. And he thought, oh, am I dying? What's wrong with me? Yeah. And then he starts crying out to the Lord. And the Lord said, that's not your job. Go mm-hmm. home. And on his way home, he ran into Saki. And then he remembered, recently mm-hmm. had remembered that he had been abused as a child mm-hmm. in the school. And her job that she was offering him for the kingdom was come and do prevention in the schools to keep these kids from being trafficked. Wow. And it was a God assignment. Wow. And so I think what, what burst in my heart is it's a it's a obedience, step of faith like you talk about, mm-hmm. and, the, and the young people going and exponential work can be done, but God is moving in the supernatural and profound mm-hmm. ways, and that makes this life with Jesus so wonderful. Mm-hmm. So good. Yeah. Mar, what would you add to that? Um, I think... Uh, something that runs through my mind in the, this type of story is just how w- wild it is that God shows up with such a little yes. Like mm. three months, one year. I mean, I think of the names we mentioned. These are 10, 20, 30 years of giving their life. And they're obviously bearing so much fruit. But just realizing, man, even if the Lord says, give a week, give a month, there's something that God can do in that yes. And it's really humbling. Um, to see that the Lord can use any type of yes that someone that's willing to give a small sacrifice, um, if it's unto the Lord, He can multiply it. Amen. Jimmy, any final thoughts? And if not, would you pray over us? Yeah, just, that these just let me pray. Yeah. Yeah. So Spirit of the living God, I ask that you would reach in the heart of every person listening right now. You'd visit them by the Holy Spirit where people need faith right now for physical healing. I just think of people with immune disorders and people with fear and anxiety issues. God, would your would the power of this story give faith today for victory on a personal level? God, I pray that we'd have faith today for our families, for prodigals to return, Amen. for our teenagers to be saved, for a move of the Holy Spirit in each location that is listening right now. And Lord, I do pray for the nations of the earth. We pray for peace in the face of war. We pray for hope in the face of fear. And we ask God for an all-encompassing move of the Holy Spirit and that we'd all be together and a part of it. And Lord, would you restore your family worldwide, people of God, unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace for such a time as this, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Passion and Purpose, a podcast with Jimmy Seibert and the Antioch Movement. For more information, please visit jimmysibert.com and antioch.org. We'll see you next time.